my name is Lauren Hungay, and I'll be reading our scripture for today. It comes from Philippians chapter 4, and it's verses 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, let us all be filled with your joy on this holy day. I hope we all remember to worry about nothing, but instead pray about everything, even in the uncertainty. We welcome the Holy Spirit into this place to fill this room along with our hearts. I pray that during this time we can all put aside whatever is on our minds and holding us back from hearing your words through Kelsey today. Be with Kelsey this morning as she delivers your word. Open our ears and hearts to the good news she is preaching for us about our Father and to glorify Him. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we are in the last week of this series, Uncommon Joy. We've been talking about the same thing for five weeks. We've been looking at the, the same two points for five weeks. So we're here, and we have something to do. But before that, I, I want to tell you a story. So I graduated from college in 20, the winter of uh, 2013. Ben and I were engaged, and we were about to find a new apartment, and actually we were living with a roommate um, for our first year of marriage. So uh, me and this roommate, Ben didn't really care. He just kind of went along with whatever we did. Uh, me and my friend, we went house hunting, uh, if you will. Every girl's dream is to go house hunting because we watch HGTV all the time, right? Find the perfect house, find the, the, the closet's too small. I don't like the washer and dryer there. The, the floors are too dirty. Uh, we got to look. We looked at all of that stuff, looked at apartments, townhomes, and I, I swear, we looked for months, um, looked online, when actually looked at um, the places, and we were so excited. We looked at all of our options. We had all of our options, and, and we gathered all of our information. But time was coming to a close. We had uh, uh, a time limit to get to, to sign for, a, for an apartment and a house. Um, and so we had to make a choice. Things were leaving. Things were going. So we had to get to the point where we finally had to make a choice about which house or apartment we wanted to live in. No more fun, like, going to look at all the different floor plans and which looks great together. It came time for a choice. We looked at everything we had. We made a choice on what we had. That's where we're at today. Week five, we have gathered all of the information. We have looked at all of the options. We've been talking about uncommon joy for five weeks. Five weeks. So today, now, now is the time for your choice. You've heard it, and you're going to hear it again. Uncommon joy is conditionless. Uncommon joy is conditionless. You see, in the scripture that Lauren read, Paul's in jail. Not in the most happy place to be that we know. His life isn't so great. Uh, he's sitting and rotting in jail, not doing uh, where he wants to be. But he could be executed tomorrow, or he could be let go. He has 
no idea what's up next for him. No idea. But yet, the beginning of the passage Lauren read, she, he says, rejoice. Rejoice. Even in prison, rejoice. Even in the face of trial, Paul tells us all to rejoice. It's not based on your circumstances. Joy comes from thinking about these things that Lauren read in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you want uncommon joy to be real, to be real in your life, you have to make an active choice to think about these things. To think about these things. God is noble. God's will is always right. God is pure. God is lovely. God is admirable. God is excellent. And God is praiseworthy. Amen? And creation, this is the thing, creation reflects him. So not only is he all these things, all of these things are reflected in not only us, but the, but the things that he created. In the world today, we're surrounded by God's creation, but we're also surrounded by so many other things. Fear, anxiety, those are big ones today. But so were the Philippians. Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians, and they were living in constant fear and anxiety with, with the Romans that were in their city. There was mass opposition to their beliefs, and not only that, they were living in poverty and suffered in the city that was home. And Christians were be, being killed all over the Roman Empire, so they didn't have a lot of hope that wasn't going to happen to them. However, Paul says that as a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus knows that all of this life is a gift. All of it. All of our life is a gift. And we can find the beauty in any circumstance. Any circumstance. We can give thanks because of the salvation that was given to us by, by Jesus Christ and dying for us. We have been sought out and bought by a price, by God's love. There are trials and troubles in this world. You all know it. You've all faced them. We see them every day on the media, on the TV, wherever we go. But nothing, no trial, no trouble, compares to what eternal life would be like without Jesus Christ. That, that is not a trouble I want to face. A world without Jesus. A life without Jesus. No thanks. See, the anxieties we feel, the emotions we feel, the things we feel are real. I mean, all of you are feeling some sort of anxiety or fear or despair. I mean, we look at COVID. Everyone in the world is troubled by COVID, and there's so much anxiety with it because we don't really fully know what it is. We don't know how it's passed. We wear masks, but do those help? Do they not help? And we think they help, but is there going to be a vaccine? Do we have to take that? Is that going to help? How long do we have to wear masks? 
we don't know. We don't know what's happening, and there's so many voices telling you different things to believe. (laughs) We're not going to talk politics, but the election? Yeah, there's a lot of anxiety around the election. No matter who you're voting for, the way that these people are treating each other, it's not nice, it's not kind, and it's not joyful. There's so much animosity going on between these two people, and it reflects on us. Now we look at the people who are in isolation, who can't come out because of pre-existing conditions, and the mental health that affects you because you can't leave your house. The loneliness, the despair, or even what if you have to quarantine for two weeks? If you haven't done that already, can you imagine staying in your house for two weeks? What would that do to your mental health? What would that do to your anxiety, your fear? Or maybe, maybe because it's election season or because of COVID or things are picking back out, maybe you're just busier than ever. You feel like you're running and you can't stop and all the the fear and anxiety that comes with that. Or maybe you lost your job or you're unemployed and you don't know what to do the rest of the day, let alone next week. And you just feel the, 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 the loneliness and the despair in that. These are very real anxieties and fears. All of us have felt at least one of these this week. We can feel these things. We can feel these things. But sometimes we need to make a choice in the moment saying, I will. I will turn my eyes towards Jesus to the hope of Jesus. We can choose to see the beauty and grace in any circumstance. If Paul did it in jail, we can do it right here, right now. We can choose that moment. It's not easy, and it may just be for a tiny moment before that anxiety and fear comes back, but we can choose a moment of peace. That is uncommon joy, and that's how we know that uncommon joy is real. Being aware of Jesus' love and presence, knowing despite your condition that his love is more powerful than anything you will ever face. That is what brings uncommon joy. Knowing Jesus deeply and personally will transform you and your thoughts. It will bring you uncommon joy. And when you have this real, this tangible, this hope and this joy, it's infectious. Other people see it, they want it, and they want to know how to get it. And that's why uncommon joy advances the gospel. Uncommon joy advances the gospel because it's infectious. There was a woman on a weekend that I went to, it's called Chrysalis, and it's a three-day weekend retreat for um, high schoolers and and college kids. I'm not sure if it's still around, but um, I went to it. It's actually where I found Jesus Christ and accepted him and and started the journey with Jesus. And I remember we we have small groups. We call them tables. And uh, throughout the week, we we sing, we um, listen to to talks, and we do other various things. And the, the one thing that I love is we get things called agape, or which means unconditional love, and they're little like trinkets, the, the little bubbles you would get, or like a pencil or a gum that says stick with Jesus. 
uh, other uh, churches in, in the community would get these things and then would give them to you and saying, I'm praying for you and your walk with Jesus this weekend. I loved those things. We had like bags full of the things and we were like wearing the hats and putting the pipe cleaners in our hair and, and wearing all the bracelets and everything. You were just decked out in we, what we called agape. And one of the agape was a, a, a tie. We had a, a fancy dinner one night, fancy dinner, and we're all, of course, wearing sweatpants and a, a t-shirt, and so they're like, well, you're not dressed fancy enough, so we got to fix that. And so they would get a tie, and I don't know how many of you remember puff paint, the, the stuff like that. Yeah, they wrote on puff paint, which my favorite was to just peel the puff paint off, which wasn't the, the goal. But you got puff paint on a tie that said, Jesus is the tie that binds. And so we put the tie on, and then we wore it to dinner, and we were now fancy in our, our sweatpants and our tie. I loved that tie. I don't know what it was about it, but it made me feel so secure, and I just wanted to keep it. And I remember my adult leader, can't tell you her, her name. I don't really remember what her face looks like. I know she had like short brown hair. It was kind of brownish reddish hair, and she had glasses, and she was about 40, I think, that's, that's really all I remember about her. But I do remember that I loved her tie. Her tie was awesome. And on the last day, I was so excited. I was wearing my tie, and I was like, I just want to wear this thing all the time. You know, wear a, a tie with puff paint to school. It's going to make me really cool there. And I got the tie, and I was like, I just really like your tie. And she's like, do you want it? And it kind of took me aback because I'd never have someone, like, freely give something up for me, or at least that I was aware of. And she's like, yeah, you totally take it, take it, and you wear it, and it'll make you happy. And I remember seeing that, and I was like, she's just going to give this to me? I had never truly experienced that kind of selfless love, or something that I could pick out like that. And I see her, and I remember her kindness and her joy. And I aspire to be as kind and joyous as she was in that day. And many of us have said things like that. How many of you have said, wow, I want what they have. I want what they have. I want that joy. I want the happiness that they have. I want that. I want that. You see, we can only say I want so many times before your heart becomes bitter and envious with the joy you aren't getting. There comes a moment in your life when you have to choose. Are you going to continually want the joy that others have? Or are you going to take it for yourselves and spur others onto joyful living? I think back to that woman that I can't remember her name, who showed me the kindness and joy of Jesus that day. Something I had maybe seen before, but for the first time I recognized it. I recognize that that was Jesus shining through this woman, and I can still see the light of Jesus shining through her in that moment. I can't picture her clearly. I don't remember her name, and honestly, I don't remember that many moments with her, but I see him through her still to this day. That's how it's supposed to be. When people look at us, they should see Jesus. They should see his light radiating off us. They should see his kindness, his love, his mercy, and his joy. They should see these things before they even see us. 
That's why I, I don't necessarily remember her, but I remember Jesus was in her. Jesus should be so evident in you that he is seen before you are. Because when Jesus shows up, people notice. When your joy in Jesus is evident, people notice. It's hard to miss, to be honest. Your actions, your actions speak louder than you may want them to, for better or for worse. Our joy is loud, but so are our negative emotions. John Wesley, the father of the the Methodist faith, said this, Sour godliness is the devil's religion. Sour godliness is the devil's religion. A little bit harsh, right? Your joy is so much more important than you think. He wasn't done here. Listen to what he says. Sour godliness is the devil's religion. It does not owe its inception to truly spiritual people. I suspect that sour godliness originated among unhappy, semi-religious people who had just enough religion to make them miserable, but not enough to do them any good. If you aren't emitting joy, then what do people see in you? Hopefully it's not that. But if you aren't emitting joy, then what are you emitting? There was a woman at my church when I was in high school that I grew up she was a leader. She read scripture and um, did all those things. Um, goofy is kind of how I would describe her. Uh, I remember watching and observing her in a leadership role as I would run around the church like the youth do. Um, I could see her when, like, when she wasn't on stage and she was talking to other members. I could see her talking with those members about other members behind their back. And I could also see like how they, she was talking about the members and she's like, they're not doing it the right way. And I, now I know, I'm like, no, they weren't doing it your way. I didn't see her love for people, and I I can't remember a time I really ever saw her care and counsel someone, Um, and honestly, I tried to avoid her everywhere I could. I knew all the crooks and crannies of that church, so if I saw her coming, I was down the back staircase. Every time I entered the church, I just avoided her, and I think about it like, if she encountered someone, like at the grocery store, or if she encountered someone, would someone say, oh man, that lady loves Jesus? My answer is probably not. I mean, I don't know her today, but back then, would people come to her church because she loves Jesus? Would people come to Marian Methodist because you love Jesus? If people saw you in the grocery store, would they know how much you love Jesus and be like, man, I want what she's got? Take a hard look at yourself. Hard look. Are you filled with uncommon joy? Or are you filled with sour godliness? Are you miserable in your faith? Are you miserable? Is your faith just some facade that you have to keep up for everyone else to see? A Bible that you open every once in a while? A God that you pray to for a raise or a good grade? Or a faith? that you can just take conveniently out of the box when, you, when it's beneficial for you or you want something? Or, or, is your faith 
everything to you? Is your faith the breath that you breathe each day? The thing that keeps you moving to run closer to the cross. And even though you might get knocked down a step or two on your way there, you still run as fast as you can because you know the only way that you can survive this life is by sitting at the feet of the cross and staying there and keeping your mind focused on things above. Is that your faith? Because if your faith is not the latter, the altar's open. The kneeling rails are open. The floor in front of you is wide open because we had to move chairs for it. You can bow your heads and fall on your face in confession to God right here. Get rid of the sour godliness that might be on your heart and pray about it every night. If you need to do it, if it's in your heart, no time like the present. If your life is consumed with sour godliness, it not only affects you and how happy you are in your joy, it affects everybody around you. If you are pursuing sour godliness, maybe unknowingly, people notice that. People notice what is going on in your life, whether you like it or not. And if that is what you are pursuing, I urge you to submit to God and fall on your knees and confess where you have placed yourself above him. Because if you don't, everybody else is going to look at you and get a very bad picture of Jesus. True joy, uncommon joy, is an everyday choice. You have to choose it. It's an everyday confession, everyday repentance, and an everyday submission to the God who knows way better than you do. An everyday submission to the God who set you free from this life of bondage. It's a choice. It's not a circumstance. It's, something, it's not something that just happens to you. You choose for uncommon joy to be in your life. And then the thing that you need to hear is, your choice reflects who you are. It paints a picture for those who are watching you. Your choice also reflects Jesus. So what does Jesus look like in that picture that people are looking at? Is it good? Or is it bad? You see, when people truly encountered Jesus, when people saw his grace, his mercy, his love, they fell at his feet in worship, they surrendered who they were and gave it all to him because they found joy in something that was everlasting joy, not fleeting joy. The people like Mary Magdalene, a prostitute, Matthew, a lying tax collector, Zacchaeus, another lying tax collector, Peter, a fisherman, Paul, a murderous Pharisee, and John the Baptist, a prophet. All these people encountered Jesus and gave everything up for them because they knew he was the only one who was going to bring them joy and love, and he was the creator of the universe. They gave it for Jesus, and Jesus is for all. Jesus's joy is for all of you sitting in this room and for all of you online. Jesus is for you. 
Now you have to choose him. Will you let other people encounter Jesus through you? Think about your coworker that sits next to you in a desk or is on a computer chat with you at home. Or your neighbor. Think about those people. Will you let them encounter Jesus through you? Secondary question, will they encounter the, the joyful Jesus or the bitter Jesus, judgmental Jesus? Which Jesus do they encounter through you? Will your joy spur these two, these people, this man, this woman, whoever's in your mind, would your joy spur them on to, to Christ-centered joy? Or would your joy drive them far away from any other religion that there is? Do you want these people to have this joy? Do you want yourself? Do you want yourself to have this joy? The choice lays right in front of you. The time is now. The time is now to take the choice. Do, will you choose joy? Or are you going to continue to choose sour, sour godliness? Are you going to choose for your neighbor or your co-worker to see Jesus through you? The choice is right here. Right now. Right in front of you. Will you choose it? God, I pray for all these people who are sitting in this room and who are sitting online watching this. God, I pray that they know you. I pray that they know your joy and the wonderfulness of you and they look at all the things of this creation and they just see how awesome and praiseworthy and excellent you are. I pray that these people in this room would choose uncommon joy, choose to show others how great Jesus is, and choose to turn away from sour godliness. God, I thank you. I thank you for seeking us out and saving us and sending Jesus to die on the cross, and I, and I pray that the people watching and the people in this room will fix their eyes on the cross so they can fix their eyes on joy. Jesus, thank you. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.